This is Top Floor, Episode 9. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash nine. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Christoph Hutter's career has spanned revenue management positions at hotels in Belgium, Austria, and Canada. He started his own revenue management consultancy five years ago, and he specializes in working with independent hotels. Christoph believes that as a result of the pandemic, revenue management is no longer defined as the art of turning away business. Instead, he says, revenue management should be redefined as the art of uncovering opportunities. At a time when many in our industry are exploring new ways of doing business, the disciplines of sales, marketing, and revenue management are getting a lot of attention. Simultaneously, hotel companies like MCR Development are experimenting with unbundling hotel amenity pricing as a way to drive both profit and guest satisfaction. The hotel business is famously slow to evolve. So today, we're going to talk about how the lessons of the pandemic and beyond can push our industry forward. But first, before we start, we have to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning marketing questions. Today's question was submitted by Jamal. Jamal asks, how can I keep my wholesale inventory off the OTAs? Christoph, I'm starting you out with a difficult question. What do you think? What advice do you have for Jamal? Well, the honest answer is... If you want to be 100% certain that no wholesale inventory lands online, you need to stop wholesale. That's the only way. Now, that may not be an option. So there are a number of other things that you need to do and you need to keep in mind. One of the things is you need to make sure that you have um, ironclad contracts that have language in them to protect your hotel from such rate leakage. Then you need to think a little bit about what kind of rates do you charge? And oftentimes the wholesale rates are so much underneath the bar rate that it's quite easy for this inventory to get online. It may be some intermediary that nobody's ever heard of that grabs the rates and inventory from the wholesaler and then puts it online. That intermediary thing is what I continue to hear hotels running into. These sites that they've never heard of, and then they try to Google them and get all of these scam reports. What kind of recourse does a hotel have when they find their own inventory somewhere that they didn't offer it? It's very difficult to find out who is behind that uh, unless you start making test bookings, which are extremely challenging uh, because it's it's costly, it's time-consuming. So that is something that I would include already in the contract, that these test bookings are a part of the deal. You know, you want my inventory? We are going to test. Um, and if there is any issue, Ooh, that's a you will pay idea. the bill. 
Um, so, so that's, that's one tip that, that I would have protect yourself as much as you can make sure that you have rate parity, make sure that you have the best rate available on your direct channels that you advertised it, that you have a best rate and best price guarantee, um, on your website, that this is easily bookable for people. So if they find a cheaper rate online somewhere, they can just call or email you and say, I found this uh, rate on that channel. And then don't be bureaucratic about it. Just go ahead and book that. It's still better than wasting your time, wasting the customer's time to start sending screenshots or filling in lengthy forms or going through procedures and, and all that. You refer to yourself as a non-traditional revenue manager. Can you tell us what that means? The term non-traditional revenue manager was coined by one of my former GMs who described me um, in, in an interview that he gave to some newspaper about his, his team and, and the hotel. What really prompted that whole thing was when I started at that company, I had come from a hotel previously, a hotel group where we had a lot of technology in place with a solid PMS. We had... Uh, a sophisticated RMS. We had all sorts of, of other uh, hotel tech in place to support us in, in revenue management. And then I arrived there and we had a prehistoric PMS. We had um, no RMS and, and really no other technology whatsoever. So the only thing I really had was Excel. Um, and I was tasked to, to put together a lot of reports every day. So I spent at least half an hour every day on daily reports. And then there were the weekly reports and the monthly reports. So all in all, I spent hours and hours and hours every week to put together all these reports that probably nobody read anyways. I couldn't read half of them because there was no more time left because I was tasked with creating all the reports. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, there must be a better way to do this. I taught myself how to program, how to automate all of that. And instead of spending half an hour uh, on the daily reports, I ended up spending three seconds because all I did was click a button and, and the rest came together nice. on its own. Now, all in all, because I'm a nerd and I measured how much time did I actually gain, on an annual basis, it was 33 days. So that's basically six work weeks. So what did I do with that time? I sat down and I started analyzing and I found opportunities and I was able to, to generate a lot of revenue that otherwise we would never have found a lot of opportunities that we would never have found. That's unbelievable. But I sort of wish that you had kept your time savings a secret and just use that time for yourself, like read comic books under your desk or something like that. But I'm glad to hear it was successful. I know you've been participating in a webinar series. I think this is right, called the Revenue Manager, sort of based on the Godfather. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what all that entails? Absolutely. There was a, a co-production between Funnel TV and Hospitality Night. And a group of us, we came together inspired by Enzo Ayato, who's the founder of Funnel TV. And he had the idea of putting together a dictionary of revenue management terms. And it was a bunch of us who said, okay, let's do this. And, and all of us contributed to the dictionary and I coordinated the, the project. And it took a little longer than we expected um, because along the way, we had a lot of great ideas. And one of the ideas was to show the revenue manager. We thought, okay, well, what can we do to help now transform the, the industry in a way and, and bring knowledge out to the revenue managers about things that they uh, maybe 
didn't know before things they should know. Um, and the dictionary was one thing that we did, and, and it's uh, downloadable on the HospitalityNet website for free, of course. And what we did on top of that was then the, the series where in eight episodes we had panel discussions, we had presentation of hotel tech, and we had masterclasses on, on some hot topics and, and really, really relevant topics like uh, meeting room revenue management uh, and things like that. So keep your eyes out for the Revenue Manager the series, season two. It's coming. Excellent. I know that you're multilingual and of course, I've worked in several different countries. Do you think that working and having to think and speak in different languages and different cultures impacts your approach to revenue management? Are there one or two things that you can think of off the top of your head that are big differences between the hotel business in Europe and the hotel business in North America? Well, for one, in Europe, you have a majority of independent hotels. While here, maybe 70% are affiliated with some brand. In Europe, it's probably the other way around. and It's more like 30% that have a brand affiliation. So the vast majority are independently owned and operated, uh, oftentimes family-owned businesses. Um, so this corporate culture and corporate structure uh, that you find in North America, you don't have that in Europe. So you have a lot of creativity and, and, and know-how on how things are done that over here, independent hotels don't have. And that's a huge problem for North American independent hotels that are not having the support of a brand or a management company that provides this know-how. Uh, so they're completely on their own. And unless they hire somebody who has some experience, uh, relevant experience, they really have to come up with everything on their own. Many hotel commercial strategy experts, including our guest from episode two, Kate Berta, consider that the revenue discipline really manages and maximizes existing demand. So at a time when you know certainly things are getting better, but demand is stifled, what is the job of the revenue manager or strategist? So managing and, and optimizing demand, that's yield management 101. That's, that's a really important part of revenue management. But revenue management is much more than that. It doesn't say anywhere, hey, you have to increase your bar rate by $20 in order to make more money in the end of the day. It says it's about increasing the top line revenue in the end of the day. It's about profitability. That's what revenue management is about. And that's where I think we are at an important, but at a, at a, a little bit a dangerous point in this discussion, because we already had that when we had implemented yield management in hospitality. And then we transitioned away to revenue management, which is much broader. Yet most hotels, they still only do yield management. You know, they increase the rate here, they drop it there, maybe launch a promotion and that's it. That's not revenue management. And where I fear this discussion is going is that in the end of the day, all revenue managers get a new title and keep doing what they have been doing for the last 20 years. And that doesn't work anymore. And so that's where I think we really need to think very carefully on how we are transitioning there. And there will certainly be companies to un who understand that and who will, you know, break down the silos and have the commercial departments sales, marketing, and revenue pull on, on one string. And that's going to be a huge game changer for them. 
You've written that hoteliers should shift away from the mindset of focusing on RevPAR improvement and instead to focus on total revenue per available square foot. This is so interesting to me. And I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about what you mean because that is very much a commercial real estate approach and has traditionally not been what hoteliers do at all. Tell me a little bit more. So I come from the viewpoint that we need to look at total net revenue. We cannot just look at at our average rate and, and our occupancy or ref bar, basically, because a lot of cost and an increasing cost that is hidden in there are OTA commissions. And that obviously impacts bottom line results massively. So we need to, when we are looking at OTA commissions or other costs like, like consortia fees and things like that, we need to exclude those. We need to compare apples to apples and we need to look at net rates when we're analyzing our data. If you're looking at the net rate contribution of the different uh, channels and compare that, that's the only thing that must uh, make sense. The next layer to add on that is that we need to also include non-room revenue, breakfast, meeting room, everything really that you, you have at your hotel. And there may be some really big surprises and that very much will depend on the hotel. If you're only looking at the room revenue, we're going after the high ADR or even high ref par uh, segments, forgetting that there may be other segments that have a lower average rate, but a much higher profitability thanks to all the non-room non revenue that, that comes on top of it. And then the last uh, layer to add here is that you know, traditionally, if we look at the, the typical business year, we have our ups and downs. We have the peak periods, we have the low demand periods. And in the past, we've oftentimes looked at that as a given. You know, oh, well, it's low, low season. We can't really do much about it. That's, that's the way it is. But what we've seen in the last couple of years during the pandemic was a lot of creativity from hoteliers that have said, okay, we can't sell guest rooms because nobody is traveling. So what else can we do? And uh, of course, there was a lot of uh, movement from the guest room and the overnight uh, use of guest rooms to converting that into a day office uh, space. I've seen hotels, you know, uh, who rented out equipment that they didn't use or offered outsourced uh, cleaning services to keep their housekeepers busy. Is it going to top what you could do in a peak period? Of course not. But there is a lot of potential to at least compensate a little bit and, and make better use of the overall property. Let's just keep this momentum going and keep at least some of these creative solutions also for the future. I think the use of guest rooms for uh, remote offices, for you know taking a nap in between two very long shifts, all of the sort of creative things that people brought to the table, particularly in 2020, I love them all. What I want to know is, did the, any of them sell? Did anyone buy a hotel room to use as an office? There is no, you know, whitewashing that. It, it, it was it was a disastrous year for everyone, but for some, it was a little bit less bad than for others. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what point. it comes down to. I want to recommend that listeners and you, Christoph, go back to episode five with Corey Falter. Corey talks a lot about ideas for additional revenue streams and different ways for hotels to make money over and above just 
heads and beds and omelets at the breakfast buffet. So it would be a good supplement to this conversation. There is a lot of discussion in commercial strategy circles about eliminating silos in hotel disciplines and teams. How would you characterize the difference between a silo and an area of specialty or expertise? What is really underlying is that there are different objectives throughout the organization. You know, maybe the objective for sales is to find more clients or to bring volume, while the objective for revenue is to improve the ADR. So those two goals don't often go hand in hand and will create frustration. We need to follow one common goal. And in my opinion, that is working towards a profitability um, and an improved profitability. Everybody is involved in that. You know, revenue, obviously, sales, obviously, marketing, obviously, but also uh, departments like uh, front desk and housekeeping in the end of the day, because we all know that if we provide a great customer service, we will see great reviews. If we see great reviews, our ADR is going to go up. That means higher revenue and higher profitability. So if you're looking at it from that angle, breaking down the silos means we need to offer better service in order to ultimately make more money. There is a faction within our industry that believes that the push towards commercial strategy is a power grab on the part of revenue uh, experts. And so I'm going to lead into this next question about your LinkedIn poll because that's exactly what I thought when I saw the results. So a few months ago, you conducted a poll on LinkedIn and basically you asked, should revenue management be part of marketing or should marketing be part of revenue management? More than half, and you got a ton of responses, more than half of the responses, it was about 200 people, said that marketing should be part of revenue management. How would you answer your own question? And how is this not a land grab on the part of revenue folks? So of course, that was a provocative question. Uh, because what I what I really wanted was to have a discussion in, in around that topic. Because I'm a firm believer that we need to break down the silos. We need to come up with common objectives and common goals. The interesting thing was that more than half of the people indeed said, yeah, marketing should go towards revenue. Um, and I think that when when looking at it, there are a lot more commonalities. At least that's, that's how I see it. A lot more things in common between marketing and revenue as compared to marketing and sales. Traditionally, in most hotels today, marketing is part of sales, part of the sales team. I may have already talked to you about this in the past. I was having a debate-ish on LinkedIn about the MCR development announcement that they were going to unbundle hotel amenities. And I think this may actually be how we started this conversation that we're having today. So if I'm being repetitive, be cool. There, one of the commenters kept saying something along the lines of a martini should be more expensive on Friday night than it is on Tuesday night. And certainly I understand the sort of methodology or thought process behind that. 
it's marketing. Two for Tuesday has always existed because that's a low demand night for martinis. So I'm I'm str- I struggle with the idea that all of a sudden this is like a brand new concept and a brand new revenue strategy when in fact we the general world we have been having happy hours on Mondays and Tuesdays when it's low demand forever. What do you think about that? I agree. There's there's nothing new about this and there's nothing new about a lot of things. The, the issue is probably more that many just don't do it and then are facing you know empty seats or empty beds. And that's why I say, you know, we need to break down the silos and we need to work towards a common objective so that we can fill the seats, we can fill the beds and we can fill whatever other metric we come up with for those products that we will invent moving forward that we can't even imagine right now. There was so much creativity there in the last couple of years. And uh, I think that's that's something that we can take away from there. Do you think it's a time or bandwidth issue or do you think it's a lack of knowledge or lack of sort of uh, will to power, as it were? I think all of it plays an important role. Time is always an issue because uh, in our industry, there is always the unforeseen. No day is like the other. That's that's one of the specifics that I found about hospitality that, and what makes it interesting. You know that it's like a little adventure every day, especially when you're when you're working front of the house and seeing what happens with guests. That's the best thing about the hotel business and the worst thing about the hotel business. Nothing is ever the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and because of that, hoteliers oftentimes don't have the bandwidth, don't have the time in the day and the resources to follow up on, on these trends and developments. And, you know, then they just don't do things because they don't have the time. Why do you think that the hotel industry hasn't yet been able to develop a revenue management system that can automate pricing and sort of eliminate the need for human intervention? I feel like other industries have this. You know, I may be over overstating it, but the airlines are certainly far more advanced. Why can't we just use big data and AI, machine learning, all that stuff to replace? revenue management professionals? Um, well, airlines uh, is a really great example. And we're oftentimes comparing ourselves with the airline industry, which sometimes makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. We have a lot of different business. We have a very different uh, scenario when it comes to competition. We have a lot of different data points that need to be considered. And today... AI is not yet at the level to consider all these different data points at scale, integrated with the entire hotel tech stack that is so scattered and complex, thinking about integration, you know, where you can't even freely choose the channel manager for the PMS without having to pay hefty integration fees in in many traditional uh, legacy uh, systems. Uh, It doesn't even work. Uh, So if we can't even do something as simple as that, thinking about automating the entire revenue process, that's a few years down the road. That said, there are a lot of things that the machine can already do much better than humans. And the thing is simply, you know, machines need guidance. And 
the revenue managers that can offer this guidance and configure the systems to perform at a very high level, they're going to, to really shine. You know, the, the pure traditional stereotypical number crunching revenue manager that sits with their calculator in an office all day long, looking at uh, numbers, typing in numbers, not ever talking to anybody and nobody really knows what they're doing. That is an obsolete role model. That That is an obsolete job description. And, and this kind of revenue manager is going to go away. Instead, what we need is somebody who is creative, somebody who is a communicator, somebody who is outgoing, who involves the entire hotel operation into revenue management because it's about revenue management culture. And, and there are touch points throughout the entire organization and everybody needs to be on board with that. So in your opinion, the revenue manager or revenue strategist should be responsible for being creative and uncovering opportunities. How does that change the role of a sales leader and a marketing leader? If what revenue strategists have traditionally done can ultimately be replaced with technology, which I 100% believe it can, whether that happens quickly or slowly remains to be seen, but I believe that it can. And so now they're supposed to be the creative driving force. Do you just fire the director of sales and marketing who in the past has been the driving force creatively? Like, How does that work? Or is there some other way for us to do this that works even better? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I am somebody who always said, you know, and, and I had another poll on that on LinkedIn a while ago asking how many hotels should a revenue manager take care of? I saw that one. And the, for me, surprising but not surprising answer was that I think the Swedes was, was around four hotels. People believe a revenue manager should manage four hotels. And I don't understand that because when, when I look at how much time do I have in a day and what can I achieve for one hotel in a day operationally, there are always opportunities I don't have time to take care of. And if I don't see them, I can go and find them. And that's why I say we have to uncover opportunities. That's what it is all about. Mm -hmm. Whether my title is revenue or sales or whatever else, I have to go out and I have to find the opportunity and then make something of it. And that's why I think the journey can go where we, uh, you know, work as a team and and come up with uh, opportunities. And maybe maybe that's where the commercial strategy idea is going to evolve towards to um, that we have ultimately a lot of technology taking care of the the, the daily uh, tasks and a lot of the things that can be automated and so on. And then you have a team of people who just imagines all day long where is the opportunity and we all know that if we're working in a team we will always have better ideas than if we are sitting in our own office all, all alone and, and just you know thinking what what can i come up with next <laughs> our listeners can't see my face but i'm grimacing that's really really absolutely priceless and i've seen it uh, a lot of times i've worked in in cluster situations where you know, I, I have an issue and, and how can I solve the issue? Well, I talk to my peers or talk to my colleagues. Uh, and if you're in the same company, that's really great. We try to provide at least a few very tangible tips and tricks for our listeners in each episode of Top 4. So I'm going to ask you some questions that require you to get very specific. 
while demand conditions are improving, most hotels are still not in the position of turning business away. So since dorms don't really have to spend their time focused on closing down channels, meaning they don't you know, have to be the gatekeeper of low-rated business or whatever, what kinds of things should they be doing instead? What specific things? Make sure that the basics are covered, that the hotel is on a solid foundation. When demand comes back, make sure that your tech stack is in order, that you have the right technology. You know, what you had 10 years ago, that's obsolete. You need to, to rethink what, what you need for, for the future. A solid PMS that can record data well, all sorts of other things, starting with a solid BI tool so that you can analyze the data uh, and so on and so on. Uh, there's a long, a long list of, of technology that is necessary to not just be competitive, but to be outperforming the competition and outperforming the OTAs in certain aspects where we can do that. Uh, we obviously don't have a bigger marketing budget than them. So we need to come up with solutions how to outsmart them. Uh, on a bit more short-term kind of note, one thing that hotels really should be doing is upselling. It's such a fantastic way how to uh, generate revenue. And it was really interesting to look at upsell revenue during the pandemic and see that oftentimes it just remains stable. Uh, where, where, that was you know, shocking everything to me dropped. And very true. Everything dropped, except upsell revenue didn't drop at all. You have to have an upsell program at the front desk. You have to have an upsell tool in place to capture the potential um, guests throughout their entire guest journey. That means from the booking to the checkout, there are a lot of different touch points where, where you can upsell, where you can cross-sell. And it doesn't cost anything other than a little bit of time, which you probably will have or should have. And if you don't, then outsource it and, and have it done because it really, it, it, this is this is a no-brainer, you know? Paying a little commission to a front desk agent for upselling a room doesn't cost anything at all, improves their pay, will definitely uh, help them. The guests will be happier because they get a better product. The reviews are probably going to be better. So there are secondary tertiary effects from that. All right, so now I'm going to ask you to... Look into your crystal ball and make some predictions. And then five years from now, I'm going to chase you down and play this back to you. And we'll see if you are right or wrong. <laughs> what is one prediction that you have for the future of hotels in general? Well, what we're seeing right now is very clearly the way how we have operated in the past. That's over. It's done. Won't come back. We have to realize that the world has changed and we need to change with it. And nobody really knows right now what it's going to be like in a year, in two years, in three years. Um, but it will be different. What will be different is something that we see right now. The technology over the last year or two has really improved. And so we can use technology in a way that we haven't been able to do only four or five years back. So that's a huge advantage. It will allow us to offer better service. It will allow us to capture more revenue to work more effectively. And that's something that is really important right now, especially in all those markets where we are having a labor shortage right now. Imagine a time when the need to be technically savvy or technically experienced is no longer important for a revenue person. We've eliminated it. It's all automated. Everything is handled by AI. What does 
the director of revenue or director of revenue strategy spend her time doing on a day-to-day basis? Well, like I said before, the definition of revenue management should be the art of uncovering opportunity. And when we are at that stage where everything is automated to the point that all these tactical parts are no longer requiring any human intervention at all, then we will need to find the opportunity outside of that box. Um, So what does it mean? Technology will always evolve. So there will always be a better system. There will always be a cheaper system uh, or, or a more performance system. So even if AI manages everything, the AI will improve and the competitor's AI will, will improve beyond ours. So we need to respond to that. So I don't think that technological skill will go away entirely because a system will need maintenance. Even if it's little, it will need maintenance or eventually replacement with whatever comes next. A lot of discussions happen today whether there should, should be still the PMS or not. Maybe one day there won't be a PMS anymore. Maybe that will never happen. Who knows? But if that day comes, somebody needs to say, okay, this is the direction we need to go now. So I I don't think that this technological skill set is is ever going to go away. It will transform for sure, uh, but it will always remain relevant. What is next for you and what's next for your company? Well, right now, as I said, We're working on season two of The Revenue Manager. So stay tuned and and find out more. Follow me on LinkedIn and then you will hear more about when it goes live and what topics to expect and how the the format is going to look like uh, for the next season. So that's that's something that, that is very exciting that's happening right now. Okay, folks, before we tell Christoph goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Christoph, what is a story you would only tell on the loading dock? I was looking for work. I found work in in a hotel. And it was an Italian hotel in Brussels, Belgium. Me as an Austrian from Vienna working there. I didn't speak a word of French, but I spoke Italian and German and English, obviously. So that helped. And I picked up French there. I picked up Dutch uh, along the way. I immediately knew, you know, it, it didn't take me more than a couple of days to know and to understand this is what I want to do. It's really exciting to to be a part of that. And and of course, to, to be a part of all the craziness that happens in hotels, thinking about, you know, government agencies who come and hide people and superstars that come and you can do their check-in and and talk to them you would never meet those people other than that and so can you think of a specific story about a government agency hiding someone in a hotel where you worked yeah i recall it was uh early morning a flight from the u.s uh, i think arrived maybe at seven o'clock in the destination and uh, obviously guest rooms were never available uh at that early hour so um we were quite used to that and it was an embassy that uh, regularly sent us uh, people um, traveling on, on embassy business. And this one morning, it was three people or four people, four people who came in the doors, two people who really looked like, you know, gorillas, 
they were huge. They were absolutely massive. One, one guy who, who looked like an action movie star. And then there was one guy who, who looked very different from the other three. And we found out that they were sent there by the embassy and they would need their rooms. Um, we didn't have any rooms available, but we started already uh, going through their check-in. So we, we handed them over their registration cards and they filled it in. When all of a sudden that one guy who looked different than all the others said, oh, I wrote my name on this. Uh, can I have another form? And, and, and he just put that registration card in his pocket. So we handed him another form and then he wrote a different name on that. Could you read what he wrote on the first one? Uh, maybe. <laughs> you can't reveal it, I'm sure. And then he, we asked for the credit cards and the guy looked to the, the guy who looked like an action movie star and said, I can't give them my credit card. And I said, okay, uh, let's just put him on, on my card. And then after they were done with that, they sat down at the lobby bar and waited for their rooms. And a few minutes later, we received a call from the embassy urging us to give at least one of the rooms that we have so that they could get out of the lobby. So we did. Next room that was available, we gave them uh, and they were gone. And um, yeah, you know, these are the stories that happen every day in hotels. And that's what's so exciting. Who do you think it was? Do you think it was someone who was in witness protection or a criminal or a spy? What do you, what's your best guess? I don't know if I can say that on, on the air. <laughs> well, you don't have to say who the person was, just what kind of a person they were. I believe it was a person who left one country to move to another country for some scientific reasons. So we're going to call that a spy and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Christoph Hutter, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that our listeners got a lot to think about and a lot of good ideas for their hotel. So I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Thank you very much for having me. It was a real pleasure. This episode is sponsored in part by She Has a Deal. She Has a Deal offers inspiration and education to achieve the goal of increasing the number of women hotel owners and developers. With pitch competitions for both early career and experienced women, programs channel the power of collaboration and mentorship by connecting experts and newbies, experienced investors, and hotel operations leaders. Learn more at shehasadeal.com. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash nine. Top Floor is a production of Long Live Lodging. Our elevated elevator music was composed and performed by John Albano, designed by Neha Patel and Jason Lum. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 